0: Hello everyone. Welcome to yet another exciting episode of the Plastic Planet Podcast with myself, Dr. Rafinwe. We are still in the kingdom of Eswadini, previously known as Swaziland, with our incredible guest, Dr. Henry Count Evans. He's got a journalist background, but he wears a number of hats. Um, yeah, we've had I think a very interesting conversation so far and if you you know we didn't listen to last week's podcast I would urge you to just go and listen to it very uh invigorating thoughts um that are that we 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 had and and Dr. Henry shared with us and I I must say this particular episode really uh it just challenged me a little bit <laughs> you know it was a little bit in my field but uh, i do I do hope you enjoy and uh, see you on the flip side. Dr. Evans, we have spoken quite extensively on the media, the mainstream media, and the role they ought to play or they should be are uh, playing, and you know the sort of posture and attitude they should be assuming in portraying relevant, correct, and meaningful and uh, information that will really be assimilated and trusted by, by the community, you know? What are your thoughts in, you know, the role of social media and podcasting, you know, being that it is 2023, And we are seeing, you know, the social media muscle grow, right? Um, What are your thoughts in social media or alternate media playing a significant role in conveying information?
1: Yeah, so I was saying that um, if you look at the coverage of climate issues in the media, they are limited to political indexing. So if politicians are talking about it, then you find it in the media. If elite people are talking about it, you find it in the media. If, you're natural, if an extensive disaster happens, you might find it in the media. And it then follows what Downs, 1972 um, we call it the Downs Hypothesis. It goes up if there is a crisis. It falls if there is no perceived crisis. Uh, but podcasting and community sort of media for me works in two ways. The first one is that they become an alternative space where voices can be expressed. Uh, of course, the, the impact won't be the same as mass media, but the incremental voices that get to speak are very important. And they, they, there is that. Aspect that we've produced an alternative view or vision of the world. And uh, it also allows community groups and communities to then use them to speak to one another. Uh, Spaces that you wouldn't find uh, being offered and afforded uh, by mainstream journalism that is more concerned with eliteness, that is more concerned with profit. And that has no regard for grassroots, there is no regard for uh, the welfare of people in general, unless if it affects the voting. Uh, So I'd say that alternative spaces have to be created and then amplified. And these spaces, yes, uh, you'll find that someone does a podcast, gets 1,000 views or well, 1,000 people listen, but I would say that it's a massive achievement to have five people listen to an alternative voice that they would have never had access to. And those five people have influence over uh, 25 other people. So there are incremental benefits uh, that we get uh, from using podcasting and social media as alternatives but of course we shouldn't be ambitious to think that we'll counter uh, the mainstream but the incremental voices combined will have an impact at some point and uh, will save lives some lives uh, someone has to do the work that the mainstream media doesn't want to do but which is their primary mandate they have a social contract uh, to cover social issues, to listen to voices that ordinarily do not have exposure, but uh, that that has not happened and that won't happen in the near future.
0: You know, you know, just coming to issues that are pressing in 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 you know Africa and South Africa and Southern Africa, you always hear mm-hmm. terms such as It is, you know, the most vulnerable region and, you know, that's where, you know, funding should go. That's where the most assistance should go. Being a scientist, I see the impact of plastic uh, on the ground. I see it in the ocean. I see it in the environment. And, you know, I think being in Africa, you know, in in some areas, you can't walk, you know, like... uh, 10 like a kilometer without you know finding some debris of sorts at some you know in some areas mm-hmm. so now that is a very real issue and you know what is you know plastic pollution and plastic impact in the marine you know um impact of it is, is what we see it is what we advocate for and um you know so how how much of that is carried by the media in a you know, in a true reflective manner. Yeah. So, just your your thoughts on that. I I'm just so keen to hear. You know, as a journalist <laughs> and as as a um you know a climate enthusiast, if if you will, because I I know you you wear both both hats, and I you know also yeah. I've seen you in uh, you know publish in the plastic pollution and marine pollution space. So, just having you know those sort of two sides to you. What What is happening? Just talk to us about what is the truth?
1: Um, I would say that my answer, I mean, I'll start with maybe something that I saw this first uh, week. Uh, was it on Monday? No, it wasn't Monday. So I was passing through this very small stream. And so you sort of drive down uh, the bridge is down the bridge is the same as this strip so I don't think you can cross when it's flooded but what shocked me is yes, there was some water in there but yeah. uh, just next to the bridge just next to the bridge someone came and uh, through diapers yeah there were so, so many yeah uh, So I wanted to stop and take a picture, but then there was a car behind me, so I couldn't block the road. But it got me thinking um, about two things. Number one, are people really aware that we shouldn't be doing that, for example? Uh, And that there is a problem with disposal, waste disposal? And then you also have a lot of other plastic things that are thrown in the box. I think they just took their entire uh, rubbish bin through it in the stream. But that tells you that there isn't enough information out there and the media obviously is to blame because they are not informing people. Um, At a a much bigger level, I would say that um, the media is concerned about ocean plastic pollution only when there is something that triggers that. So for example, if you go to Indonesia and tourists have complained that uh the beach is so littered and people can't satisfy their hedonistic consumption tendencies and aspirations and complain rich people complain that the beach is okay. dead yeah then the media picks it up because rich people have complained remember people that can afford to go to indonesia for tourism are not ordinary people
0: yeah
1: uh, so obviously they attracted attention cameras, or in another instance, where there's a related event where, for example, we wake up one day on the shores, dead fish are washed out. It might not be plastic that's responsible at that particular time, but it focuses the media to go and sort of have a story around ocean pollution, and then plastics become part and parcel of the story. So there has to be an event of a particular magnitude uh, for the media then to pick it up as a story. Uh, Ordinarily, outside of a catastrophic event, uh, the media wouldn't care Uh, if it doesn't affect the rich or if it hasn't killed 400 people. We we once tried to study uh, media uh, coverage of plastic pollution in a number of countries. And it was difficult to do this study because there was no content. So the easiest would have been us writing in the results section, there were no stories about plastic pollution. And we concluded the paper. But uh, we were scared of being clowns. but that was the, re- the reality on the ground. There were just no stories about plastic pollution in the media.
0: But then, you know, and then it begs the question: how How do we change that? You know, and what What is the narrative behind that? Um, and you know, why is the environment that you know we obviously need and we thrive off of? not Mm -hmm. not important is it is it that scientists are not communicating enough or is it that you know government is not doing their bit or is it that you know um like you said the, the media have their own narrative and it's a very filtered you know just like a very different ball game altogether or is it is it that there is no cohesion between you know different parties that should Inherently come together and and try and educate one another and and you know just have this transfer of information on what is important and why is it important um, you know who who is responsible for who should do what in order to you know to move forward and and make sure that everybody knows you know like that person who threw diapers they you know I I would assume they don't know any better. Do you, do you understand? They probably just thought, oh, there's a river. When it rains, the diapers would go and disappear somewhere in the ocean and the ocean will clean that up, you know. So yeah. How who's, who's responsible? What should happen for us to, to really ensure that the right information reaches the right people and uh, who should be instrumental in making sure that that happens?
1: Um, yeah, thank you. Uh, I think my answer will be a little bit diluted. Uh, so going back to the diapers issue is, 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 is a point of starting this kind of response. Uh, I, I was obviously taken aback and disappointed uh, because I've seen people take water that they use in their homes from that stream. Uh, and for someone to do that for me was just not good. But I started thinking deeply about it as I drove past the stream and I looked around the homes that are close to the stream. So they are not essentially rural and they are not essentially urban. So what that means is that There is no refuse collection that is Uh. coordinated by the municipal council because they are on the boundaries of town and country. Uh, So there's no one who comes to collect the garbage. At the same time, they have nowhere to throw the garbage because they can't even dig pits or they can't Coordinate together and then say, this we put in this, this we put in that. So for me, I started thinking to say, for us to eradicate this issue, we might need to start thinking about service delivery, about community planning, about urban planning and to provide services that will make people not even think of throwing things out. I was trying to think this person was obviously stranded they have no idea, if they don't have a car to put their rubbish in the buggy and go to the nearest um, sort of dump site, what is the closest option that they have? It's the river. But uh, the problem starts with service delivery. And uh, that's one point. But uh, of course, plastics are more it's much bigger. And who is responsible? Obviously government is responsible for providing quality service, uh, but uh, we also need to have uh, community groups and community groups can all organize if the information is getting to them and they're able to have this uh, interpersonal uh, group kind of communication. I think I've lost hope in the mainstream media. so. I, I wouldn't see them as yeah. a solution to, to this. It's hopeless. Um I don't think they see that as part of their focus. But, but don't I think you,
0: it's Yeah. Don't I you think, think we, we should we should play a role in, in, in change in changing that? Do you do you not think that the community can have some form of you know, leverage and uh, to, to push back against that narrative. Because I, I think just, you know, holding the media accountable to say, you know, this is an issue and you have been entrusted with that space and with that platform to communicate issues on the ground and to communicate findings that are real, that are affecting people and ensuring that people... Get the right information, or the community really gets the opportunity to react on, you know, just scientific or science-based information. Should we just give up on them, or should we just sort of, you know, force them to to really do the right thing and and do their job? Um, what what's what's your uh, take on that?
1: Uh, I would say that I mean, that that's quite difficult in the present circumstances where newsrooms have been shrinking over time and the reporters that are there are stretched. And that's why if you go to, I mean, I think the past three weeks I've been visiting newsrooms and I was sitting through their diary sessions. It's all about covering events. So unless if a community organizes a major event where a minister is going to come and address beat up our plastic, then the, you are guaranteed that reporters on the business busy chasing ministers and, and directors and you know, CEOs. Uh, because that is easy news. Because the, the, the issue of pollution affects communities deeply. But it's not easy news and it's difficult to sell. But I, I think we say it's difficult because we have not been imaginative in terms of how we write about it. We have not been able to humanize it. We talk about plastics as plastic. But plastics are not plastic. Plastics endanger human life. So if you're able to write about plastics in a way that brings people to the fore of that news article, uh, people get interested because they're talking about them and you're not talking about other things. So I think there's a need for that sort of appreciation on the side of the newsroom to say when you're writing about science in general you wouldn't want to write about uh, experiments you don't want to write about uh, the numbers and etc you want to convert that into things that are tangible into things that are human Uh, the whole idea of humanizing is because you want to create emotional connection Uh, with the audience. You want people to be able to see that this is how it affects them. And this is why they should take action because this is about them. But if it's going to be about plastics and streams, they might not see it as urgent and personal. Yeah. So I think there's a need for a change in our storytelling.
0: Um, you know I, I I think just as I think we conclude we get to the I, I don't think we anywhere near exhausting this topic, but uh, I think for the sake of time we will just need to get to the conclusion of it for the day but my my thing yeah. is who do you think who do you think should take on that role? should scientists be now in a space where, they step out of their, uh, you know, I'm a scientist, I collect information, I analyze it, and I publish it in a reputable journal that is signed, you know, peer review, checked that everybody else is happy with, and um, that, you know, now can be assimilated or can be consumed by the public. Should now, you know, scientists go, you know, even a step further, you know, two steps further to say we're going to write about this we're going to communicate and and distill it to you know so that it's digestible by the public and then make sure that you know the right action is taken or the right you know receptors are are actually you know you know just benefit or get to benefit from the information Are, are you saying that scientists should now take on that role um yeah what is what is your take
1: uh, I would say partly his. Um, I think science needs to come down um, and be with the people. Um, there's one professor who used to say, we are all funded by the people and we should be accountable. And maybe accountability might mean that we sort of try and say, the money that you gave me to do this research, this is what I found out. and this is why I think it's key that we we'll talk about it. But of course, there's the constraint in terms of the reach. Uh, but the more we start um, in, uh, sort of simplifying science. So, coming down to basics, this is what it means in basic terms. Yeah. That could be in the form of a paragraph. I was talking to a colleague, they were studying street food and then he says there's fecal matter in uh, most of the places where street food is sold. And he goes on to put um, formulas and diagrams and all stuff. And I said, but no one understands this and people are still going by from the same stalls tomorrow. Tell us in three lines, what did you find? and why is it paid for us yeah then once you're able to do that you're uh-huh. done
0: but then do you know it, it also comes back to the training of a scientist um because yeah. the you know the training is you have to be extensive you have to be explicit it has to be beyond you know a reasonable doubt that what you are putting out there actually is and is fact-checked and you do that uh-huh. through you know diagrams and statistical analysis and it's it's you know you can't just give me three lines and expect me to believe and you know that's it's almost a different sort of you know school of thought to say all all that is needed is three lines because no scientist will accept that you know uh we want to see what is the evidence uh behind that so do do you think that there is room for scientists as well to to be socialized in in how to communicate to the public because that is that is not how a training of a, of a typical scientist is you know where the endpoint is two lines the endpoint might be you know the conclusion two lines but then we have to see what really just went behind those two lines and it's difficult to to really just you know, yeah, just assume that uh, people will just believe what I say, and also it it, it you know it just mm-hmm. opens room for people to just say whatever and not safeguard the science because you do know that science is a very safeguarded space, and the one thing that does safeguard that is the evidence based research, and if now I have to distill it to a couple of lines that anyone else can just come and say that there is paucity in that. um so how do we how do we navigate that space? It's also you know something that is like scary um and it it, it will take a lot of unlearning for scientists because yeah, it's 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 something mm-hmm. that I also um find intimidating to to just put out you know like a statement that is not substantiated um. Yeah.
1: So how, how um, do we get? It? Yeah. So the the, the first uh, entrance, for, for example, is uh, you have done the research, uh, you have published a paper, 18 pages, for example. Uh, all you need is then to extract the meaningful insights from the 18 pages. Uh, sort of. Uh, this is what we looked at. This is what, this is what we found and this is how it affects you and this is why you should care because um in storytelling always say that uh, we should be able to answer um, two questions and often journalists fail to answer them anyway it's so what and who cares so if science and scientists are able to say from my study that i've done that is written pages i can answer the who, the what, the why, then from answering those two questions, three questions, then I'm able to tell the so what and who cares. It's done. So it's three lines. Yeah. Uh, But you're not just waking up and saying it, but it's been derived from uh, the science that you have done. So it's been peer-reviewed has been just gone through that rigorous process and it's, it's factual but it has to come down to what happened to who why should i care about it yeah so what now that i know so what uh, so if you eat this food from this doll you're going to be sick so what happened these stalls sell food that is fecal matter and it's dangerous for your health because they are going to get sick.
0: Yeah. Uh,
1: yeah. Done. So sure. the, there's that need, like you said, the need to sort of train and retrain, learn and unlearn.
0: Yeah. It's it's a whole new world actually that is um, you know uh, or a whole new field that is developing. You know this uh, science communication because yeah. I, I think there's you know you know, the old sort of Eiffel Tower of knowledge that is a university that is so guarded and that's so layered needs to, yeah. to really somehow, you know, just translate to so what? You know, uh, you know, you have all this knowledge, you you know so much, you're so, you know, um vested in your own field. And so yeah. what does that mean? You know, and that speaks to you know, communicating the science um, and getting out of the lab and getting out of uh, you know just uh, your little corner and uh, you know underneath the microscope and just you know really speaking about what is it that are uh, you know the fundamental findings on the ground, you know particularly with issues like plastic and environmental pollution and climate change, which are very real and are affecting people mm-hmm. now. It's, it's it's quite important that, you know, that happens urgently and outside the borders of, you know, big conferences like your COP28 and, you know, all those, you know, that are, are now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I just I, I, I would like to know your feelings about, you know, those big events um, that, uh, you know, are, are now emerging, that now we're seeing that are claiming to solve you know the issues of um, you know environmental pollution and, and and what we are trying to address. And you know it's just how do we as scientists communicate that on an individual level and sort of incrementally um, try to make sure that the right information reaches the right people?
1: Um, yeah, maybe the first one is on the my perceptions around this big event. Um, Maybe the perceptions are the same as the ones I have for the big media. That uh, they they fail to address uh, community problems. And by community problems, I'm talking about what we go through every day in our communities, in the absence of governance, in the absence of the media. Uh, These big events are fine for policy direction, for having broad views, but their impact on our lives is delayed, if it is there at all. Uh, And that's why I for the past three four years, been talking about the need for organized grassroots uh, sort of movements, uh, but that are built around communities of interest, uh, that are built around communities that are meant to survive together. Uh, people realizing that we are on our own, that thing, that's one thing that we need to start thinking about that we've been on our own for quite some time and we never realized that. We always say the government is not doing this. I think we have not had the government speak. So we have not had the government getting our back and securing for quite a long time. And um, anger on its own will not help us, but we need practical action. Practical action that is collective, Uh, We don't have to be so many, but if a single community is going to come together for a common cause and begin to say, in our community, this is how we dispose of plastics, and everyone is doing that because they understand why they're doing it. Uh, I think there is the greater chance of other communities learning and appreciating, it as opposed to uh, expecting structures elsewhere to do this for us.
0: Yeah, I will. I will actually not even get you started on the greenwashing that is happening because I almost know. <laughs> what what you know, <laughs> what you're going to respond as and um i just want to say you know thank you so much for for just honoring this uh you know this invite um doc i, I really i really appreciate it i think we have by no means exhausted this conversation and um i think for me as well i've learned so much and I've had uh, my ideologies challenged. And uh, yeah, there was a little bit of a pushback, you know, at some point to so, say, hey, um, you know, am, am I being challenged here? Uh, so I uh, thank you for that. I really I, I really appreciate that. And um, you enjoy your day further.
1: No, thank you so much, Rafil, And thank you for inviting me. And um, I think most importantly, for fighting. Uh, on the right side of history. Uh, yeah, obviously, uh, we won't see the results now, we remain disappointed. Uh, but I'm always encouraged by young people that continue to work against all odds uh, with no direct incentive that benefits them as individuals, but uh, driven by the desire and passion to see the world becoming better. Uh, yeah, we appreciate what you're doing through those efforts. Maybe our great grandchildren will live in a better world.
0: Thank you so Than much. Us. That that means Thank you, Rafi. Thank you, thank you. And, thank you, Doc. Um, yeah, so I'll take that with me, and yeah, so that encouraged me. Hey. How about that?
1: Um, Yeah, thank you. And uh, yeah, thank you so much.
0: Bye.
1: Have a good night. Thank you.